everyone, welcome back to Are, Are Your Parents, Parents Proud of you? you? I love doing that. <laughs> Never we, gets old. We are your hosts. I am Matthew Schufreiter. I'm Connor Brown. And on today's show, we spoke with Lexi Saunders, who is a director, performer, and teaching artist, originally from Los Angeles, California. Yeah, it was a great conversation. We talked about her growing up in California, her experience with directing and acting and devising, and fun fact, she even had a BS in psychology. You're BSing me right now. (laughs) Um, So listen up. It's a good conversation. Yep. And away we go. Hi, Lexi. Hey, how are you? Great. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Have you done many podcasts before? No, actually, I've... No, I don't think I've done any, maybe. This might be my first. Well, congrats. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. We're so honored. (laughs) We know each other personally. We did. You were to see you with Jalika this last spring. A very... Oh, it's so fancy. I know. Jalika. Really good show. Um, That's how we know each other. How did you get into that? Or let's just start off by saying, how did you get into directing and all that? Yeah. Big question. (laughs) Um... There, so I was mostly an actor through like uh, middle school, high school, college, and then at the end of college, um, I did a like a sort of devised physical theater program in uh, University of Kent, which is like an hour outside of London, um, for a semester, and I loved it. It was like a really different kind of work than I'd seen before, but also sort of lined up with some of the stuff that I was doing uh, at UC San Diego, where I was going to school, and. Um, yeah, just sort of opened my mind to some different things and made me sort of start thinking more like a director creator as opposed to an actor. Um, and then I took a year long intensive at the end of my, uh, college time, I think my fifth year, um, in like viewpoints and we studied Tennessee Williams and Sam Shepard. And, um, I think that's where I really sort of started realizing like, oh, actually, I think my brain works like a director. Mm-hmm. I thought I was supposed to be a writer for a hot second. That did not turn <laughs> out to be true. <laughs> not a playwright anyway. Um, but yeah, and then I came to Chicago to really pursue both acting and directing and really fell more in love with directing in the last, like, I've been in Chicago for six years now, so mm-hmm. I guess um, in the last, like, three, four years have really sort of more gone the directing route. I still perform and write and other things, but not as much acting auditioning. Mm-hmm. Oh. So what started you with acting? Well, <laughs> I <laughs> technically, it's so embarrassing. Te- I wish that I could show you pictures to go along with this, but oh, wow. um, I did this like, I think it was called the Met. It was like Metropolitan Educational something. It's It's like pay to play where you like, you know, there's like 100, 200 kids in like the Wizard of, or the Wiz, and I think we did Peter Pan and some other one, and it's basically like a huge musical where like people, you know, all the munchkins are like <laughs> the two to five year olds, yeah. or not really, yeah. but, so I did those, a couple of those, which is hilarious because I don't sing in front of anybody ever now, mm-hmm. so the fact that I did as a child is so odd to me. Um, but then it was, um, <laughs> I was in middle school and I think I was in sixth grade and I went to see our school, like into the woods junior, which was literally only the first half of the musical when everything's like happy and funny oh. before everybody dies. <laughs> wow, yeah. Alert, sorry. So, and I was like, I can do that. And I remember looking at my mom, like I can do that. Even though I didn't want to sing, I like, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. It, 
Anyway, um, and then I played the Caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland the next year, <gasps> and the rest is history. <laughs> I have amazing pictures of my face painted very green, and oh, wow. I was horrified for my friends to come, but it was really fun. <laughs> you just like in a green bodysuit? Well, it's better. middle school, and yeah. you know we're on like a public school budget, yeah. so, so I had so some green sweatpants, yes. some green skater shoes. Oh, I grew up yeah. in LA, so. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember any of those lines? Um, no, I wish. Well, the only one is like the who are you? And because it's seventh grade, mm-hmm. we blew bubbles instead of oh, smoking whatever yeah. the yeah. caterpillar is smoking. So. <laughs> whatever he's smoking. They could have learned somehow. You know, it's a pool shaped smoke. Why not? Yeah, yeah, why they didn't have that smoke weed? No one knows. It's weird. <laughs> so how did your parents take this this choice of acting? They liked it. I think I think they were excited. I was a really shy kid, mm-hmm. like hiding behind my mom and I think she um, never wanted to like shame me for being shy, so they were really patient with that. But then me wanting and like me doing those big musicals at, like in elementary school was different because it was really easy to hide and like you know what I mean. It wasn't like spotlighty. Yeah. So I think they had like a "Who is my child?" moment, probably the first of many. But like <laughs> when they saw me in Alice in Wonderland, it was like, oh. You you're comfortable doing that? Like it was so funny, but um, yeah, they liked it, and I think they were excited to see me keep going with that. I was also like playing soccer and softball, and my dad's a big sports guy, so like I feel like once I got to high school, and it was like you, I couldn't always do all of either like drama yeah, or drama. sports. Yeah. Senior year, I ended up stop stopping playing softball so that I could do like some of the theater competitions and stuff that year. Um, and I feel like there was a small part of my dad that was like, oh, cause he liked watching, yeah. but I also like what, if I had been on varsity, I wouldn't have played very much like, <laughs> not at all. And I think he knew that deep down <laughs> because I loved it, but I was, you know, we have, we come from a really, really intense softball and baseball town. So hmm. like, they're really, really good. And not to make excuses, but I would not have played. <laughs> um, no. What did your parents do? They associate with the arts? What do they do? Uh, they're both in education, actually. So my okay. mom is a saint. She actually just retired from 40 years of teaching oh, wow. uh, special ed middle school. Wow. Yeah, social studies and language arts. She's an actual queen, like taught herself Spanish mm-hmm. to communicate with her like English language learning students, and I can talk about her forever, um, which I think has really influenced a lot of my teaching artist work. But my And then my dad is in like educational research, so he is funded by, uh, well, that's a different story, but he, <laughs> it's not interesting. Um, he gets like grants and things like that. And yeah. his uh, nonprofit works on like kind of helping teachers figure out how to accomplish curriculum stuff on a day-to-day basis. And they do a lot of like conferences and workshops and stuff. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And you went to school in San Diego mm-hmm. and then you went to Chicago. Yeah. So I have to ask, <laughs> have you seen the weather? Like, well, I know. Well, what the hell? Every, <laughs> single Uber or Lyft driver I've ever had. <laughs> they ask me where I'm from, so it's the same thing. Yes, I have seen the weather. I barely survive every winter. Um, I So at UC San Diego, there's a few professors and grad students who had like either lived or worked or you know directed or whatever, or taught in Chicago. A few of them, I think one or two had taught at school at Steppenwolf and like just really like had awesome things to say about Chicago. My dad also grew up here. So I had okay. grown up and that's when everyone goes, Oh, okay. That makes yeah, sense. <laughs> <there's the roots. laughs> Cute. And, uh, yeah, like 
he, so we grew up coming here every other year. We have some really close friends out and family friends in the um, suburbs. And I don't know, it just felt like it made sense. I kind of, I think LA is a great city, but I think it's not really a city that is like theater focused. It's mm-hmm. so much more about camera work and that's fine, but that's not really where my interests were at that point. I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a hard city. And I think the way that Chicago focuses on community is something I heard a lot and like that it feels proactive and there's a lot of work here and I'm talking about it like we're not here, but um, (laughs) yeah, it was really, I don't know, just everything I heard about it felt like it like pulled me in that direction. I just felt right. Did you have a goal when you came to Chicago? Like what was your trademark when you came in? (laughs) Came here with no job (laughs) and got lucky. Um, and I knew someone who uh, basically like was nannying for um, this woman who was a recruiter at a company downtown, this like healthcare consulting. I worked there for two and a half years and I don't even know how to describe what they do. <laughs> they like they like consult for hospitals basically. Yeah. Okay. Um, is an easy way to put it. But I uh, worked on the accounting team for two and a half years. Oh. <laughs> yep, you would never, everyone's like, what? Nope. But I actually loved it because I think I've always liked using both sides of my brain. Mm-hmm. And like, I think having a job that was like, it wasn't mind numbing, but like coding and like things that just didn't take up creative energy was really awesome. And then there came a point in the last six months to a year of the job where it was like, going to a nine to five every day and then rehearsing six to 11 and not really having a lot of flexibility of leaving was just too much. Yeah. And then my, um, I got like a, a, an offer to direct a youth show that was in the afternoons and performing in the about face outreach show. Um, and it was all daytime stuff that I was like, okay, this is a sign to leave this job. But I don't know. I've always like loved math and, uh, I think that's the only <laughs> disappointment that's maybe ever come from my family is my aunt like will always subtly be like, yeah, so so and so you know neighbor is an engineer and and she has mentioned engineering to me maybe like once a year. <laughs> I don't think I was ever wired to be an engineer. Like I mean I do like I do have an aptitude for numbers and things, but it's just not. <laughs> I was picturing what that life would be like. I'm like that's really not me. I don't think I'd be happy. But she always just like sits in there when she can. <laughs> I found this pamphlet for uh, right? engineering. Exactly. Like, Put that right? on the resume. Future engineer. Well, I think this is cool. You have a Bachelor of Science in Psychology? Yeah. That's yeah. very interesting. What was that about? Um, I, uh, when I graduated high school, I thought I was going to be a therapist or a counselor. Like I kind of thought that's where my life was headed and that theater was like fun, but it was a, it was a hobby. It was a passion. Um, my sister's adopted. And so I was really, really, that's like a huge, not her being adopted, but like our relationship is a huge part of my life. She's the best human. And she, uh, but like, um, the experience of adopting her and going through adoption counseling when I was seven and eight was like a really impactful experience. And so in high school, I don't know if you had any of those like career exploration classes. That's what I was just called, I think, in ninth grade. What a joke to ask a 14 year old (laughs) to take these tests that are like, are you meant to be a carpenter or a teacher? Like, like the choices that they always come up with are so like 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or there's basic, but... personality tests. Yes, exactly. Oh my God. We took one like every day in that class. It was like a semester in ninth grade, but, um, uh, what was I going to say? But all of them always came out with that. I should be doing like social work or mm-hmm. teaching. And because my parents are teachers, I was like, okay, I don't think that's for me. But what if I was an adoption counselor? And so that's kind of what I went into college thinking was my path. And then psychology classes happened. <laughs> and I loved them. And they were really interesting. But um, UC San Diego is like a big science and research mm-hmm. school. And so, so much of it was more brain development, neuroscience, cog science, stuff that I was like, okay, this is actually not really my bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like someday that... that still could be my future in some way. I think I use a lot of those skills and learning in my directing and teaching. Um, but I, it just felt like the idea of grad school for that felt not interesting and theater felt so much more powerful at the moment. And so I kind of went more down that route, but, um, I did take a lot of classes my last two years and did sort of a practicum. I don't know if you could, yeah. Um, they had sort of the equivalent of that for my psych degree. To get the BS instead of the BA, you had to do like basically like a two-quarter internship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I worked at the autism lab and loved it. And we did like in-home sessions and also a lot of boring like coding behaviors on videos and things that aren't as fun. Um, but I really loved working with kids with special needs. And that's something that I'm sort of still doing. And I teach... Uh, theater for folks on the spectrum for um, Chicago Children's Theater has like a red kite project so it's still a part of my life mm-hmm. um, but yeah <laughs> <laughs> and what, what's that like teaching um, people on the spectrum maybe versus children, adults Yeah. what's the difference? as you can probably tell I tend to like motor mouth like I talk fast and I get really excited and like in general when I teach I have to sort of really work on like setting a little bit more of a calm presence and kind of being a little more focused. And as a director, I try that too, but I usually get too excited, <laughs> as you can probably patch for. Long two months. <laughs> Rude. No, hashtag love. Sorry, continue. No, that's, those were a long two months yeah. so far. Anyways, um, but yeah, so I think like when I work with folks on the spectrum, especially like just kind of setting, like, tone setting, I think, is so much more important than, well, it's always important, but, mm-hmm. um, and really knowing your plan or schedule and sticking to it, because, um, like, changes in schedule or, like, unexpected surprises are not, like, don't go down super well with that population, mm-hmm. um, which is totally understandable, and so I think usually when I teach or direct or whatever, I leave flexibility for things to come up because sometimes a group really needs to process or reflect on something. Sometimes they want to share what they just wrote for half an hour instead of the 10 minutes you planned or whatever. And you kind of have to go with the flow. But I think when you're working with folks on the spectrum, like it's really important to sort of stick to what the plan was and make sure that everything gets done in the time allotted, which is a good practice for me anyway. Time management is always (laughs) my struggle. And you are also a teaching artist. And just in case our folks, our listeners don't know, what do you think the difference is between a regular teacher and a teaching artist? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, The idea of a teaching artist is is a sort of professional, an artist who's working professionally that gets to be brought into an education setting. Mm -hmm. Probably a more official definition. (laughs) I like that. But that's how I think of it. Um, So, yeah, whereas like a teacher is often... 
um, someone who's employed more full time at like a program or a school or something like that. Um, I am employed by, <laughs> I was looking at something the other day, I think eight maybe currently oh, different. Yeah. But the, well, I'll get into that in a second, but like eight different theater companies or nonprofit organizations who send me into Chicago public school classrooms or sometimes the suburbs. Um, I teach summer camps and workshops. So some of these like eight, maybe even nine sounds like a lot, but there's some that like I teach one or two camps a year for, maybe I do an after school program once a week. Like it's very hodgepodge, I guess. So, um, it sounds worse than it is. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to sort of balance, especially like scheduling when all of them ask for my availability at the same time. I'm like, I'm waiting on the other seven. Yeah. (laughs) It'd be crazy. But that's kind of how I think about a teaching artist is like, yeah, bringing in sort of guest artists from the theater community, like, into, like, to the students, basically. And did you know what a teaching artist was when you came to Chicago? No, hell no. That has been actually one of the most happy surprises of Chicago. That was not something that I moved here for. It wasn't something I was looking for. And then after a year or two of being here, I had a friend who was running, Lauren Sivak, I think was, I forget what her title was exactly, but she was helping run, like, the Steppenwolf for Young Adults program. Yeah. And I saw one or two shows through that and I was like, that's really cool. And um, I had another friend, Dana Murphy, who was working with Raven Theater and some of their summer camps. And I just started noticing different kind of stuff going on with youth that I was like, wait, I can do that. I don't want to teach full time. Yeah. And I don't, you know, for the same reasons that I left the accounting job, I didn't really like the idea of like a full time teaching job at a school. Um, just because I wanted that flexibility and stuff and the, the variation, but um, yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think has impressed you about young artists? How much of their work has inspired you to continue, you think? Mm. So many things. It's a great question. Um, the thing that I always like think about and say about like youth and young artists, especially, is like, they are so much more ready than anyone gives them credit for. They're so much more ready for the conversations. I do a lot of work with About Face Theater. And we, um, I like direct and sort of stage manage uh, um, our outreach show that goes out to schools. And we, it's like a half hour device show where we um, present a bunch of like true stories that have to do with our queerness in relation to religion or family or friends or coming out or et cetera. Um, and we don't always work with, like, the youth we work with are not always artists, but mm-hmm. youth in general, like, they have vocabulary that I didn't have in high school. They have mm-hmm. vocabulary this year that they didn't have when I started with them four or five years ago. Really? The language that they have access to and that they actually use and, like, seek out mm-hmm. now compared to before is really beautiful. And in some ways, that's, like, a blessing of Chicago, but, like, I think it is a generational thing, too. Um, and it's weird getting older as a teaching artist and being farther and farther away from the age of your students. Like I mostly work a lot with like high school, mm-hmm. some middle school. Um, but yeah, it's really, it's just, it's really inspiring, like how ready they are. And, um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing that I think about. Wow. That's cool. And like, I think one thing to add to is like the amount of arts and like things that they have access to is so much more because of social media and yeah. the internet. True. Yeah. So like, and I think like art inspires art. And so like the, the fact that like, <laughs> I don't know how to do this without my hands, but like, <laughs> like the level to which they are able to witness, I think then sort of ups what they 
can imagine and accomplish. And so not to give, not to not give credit to them, but yeah. I just think that's true of anybody. And so seeing how that lifts their work and their capacity is really cool. You mentioned that you took kind of a devising workshop before. How did that come to be? You mean the one in England? That yeah. I it was actually a class. Like I studied at a university. It was when I studied abroad. I don't think I really... Okay, yeah. That. So you studied abroad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you? Uh, yeah, I studied abroad, um, I think, the fall of my junior year. Okay. Um, and it, England, like, like, college system is so different. England's higher education, I guess, just works differently than ours. So somehow I only took two classes for an entire semester while I was there. And I never, I still don't understand how that happens. Like they're, they call them modules and they're like, they're just like worth more credits, I guess. I don't really know. But I took a like British theater history class and a physical theater class that ended up being, I think what we refer to a lot as devising and yeah. they just kind of called physical theater but we studied like Suzuki and a bunch of different methods that I think if I'm being honest with myself at the time I wish I had not that I didn't appreciate it mm-hmm. but I think I didn't have as many other this is a terrible metaphor are you ready? <laughs> yes no but like I think I had less tools in the toolbox at that time and so when I got those new tools I didn't really know where to stick them so I sort of just threw them in and now I wish like if I were to take it again, I think I'd have so much more context for what we did. Yeah. Um, and maybe more interest in, like, actually doing some of the readings that, that like, accompanied some of the stuff we did in class. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you identify yourself as a queer artist. Um, yes. How much does that bring to your work? Do you want more theater to go towards... Um... Always. Always. Okay, <laughs> great. I'll say no more. No, no. No, yeah, no. I, was, I want to learn more about that. When it... Uh, when did you realize you wanted to make more queer art, I could say? Yeah. I never know how to talk about my coming out because I literally... And I know that's not quite your question, but it relates. No, no you can relate. Um, <laughs> it's about parents and how they accept you or yeah. not accept you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, like, d- didn't... It's really not something I thought much about or, like, knew about myself mm-hmm. until I literally, like, fell in love with, you know, who was my first girlfriend and um, maybe a little bit before that, but not anything that I actually let myself like accept or think about. And uh, so I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if I was queer before that or if I, or not, because I think sexuality is fluid. So my point is that I um, made that discovery about myself when I was, I think right before I turned 22. So at the end of college, I still had <clears throat> that year long intensive after um which was also super formative, but like, I think, I don't know. I wasn't really prioritizing like queer work until maybe a couple years after moving to Chicago. Like I was always excited to see queer characters or stories and things, but it wasn't something I was like seeking out. And then, um, I directed a few like readings and workshops and, um, uh, one night a year, um, event called Les Fest for Pride Films and Plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, yeah, I don't know. That's when I started realizing that I wanted that to be a priority. Like, it really took full swing about, I think, maybe a year, year and a half ago. Because um, I was talking to my aunt, the same one. She's a great woman, by the way. And she and my whole family, I should also note, were, like, 
amazing when I came out to them. They are so supportive. We like went to our first Pride Parade Festival oh. in LA all together. <laughs> That's um, awesome. Last year, it was so fun. LA Pride is not as good as Chicago Pride, but um, who's surprised? <laughs> but um, yeah, they're they're the best. And sometimes I think like my aunt just sort of sees things a little bit differently than I do, and that's totally cool. Um, but she, we were having a conversation last year, and I think I was telling her about some of the the shows that I had booked for this past season. So I was talking about directing the queer outreach show for About Face. I was talking about um, a play called Missed Opportunities that I directed uh, by Jillian Leff at Cuckoo Theater Project last year. I guess I wasn't talking about Eurydice because Eurydice is not that queer, but (laughs) there was a hot second where I was trying to figure out how I wanted to cast it. But um, I was talking about that stuff and she said something about like, you know, are you like, so you're really doing like mostly like lesbian or like, you know, queer. She doesn't really use the word queer because my family hasn't still hasn't quite wrapped their brain around that word being like reclaimed. My mom still like shudders whenever I say it. Um, but uh, she said something about like I don't remember, but something about like, are you sure that you know you want all your work to be in that like category or whatever? You don't want to get pigeonholed. And I just remember being like, pigeonhole me, bitch! Like I am so, and I, of course I would never say that, and I'm not even calling her that. But it was just like, yes, like why not? Like I am so fine with that being my niche or whatever, and like yeah. I don't want that to that doesn't have to be everything I do, and I want to help push the community to a point where like queer work doesn't even have to be queer work. It's just work or it's just a play or whatever. And it happens to have queer folks in it. Like I think that is more the marker of progress um, for a lot of marginalized communities. But yeah. So I think in the last year or two, I've really been like, okay, like maybe I can purposely like, not like shut other things out, Mm -hmm. but like let myself be called to, certain projects and plays that, that fall in line with that. Were you with About Face before all of this realization? During? Yeah. So I um, I think fall of 2015, I auditioned for their outreach show. Um, and to this day, like, one of the, like, most memorable... Okay, I didn't have a ton of auditions. <laughs> it's not like I had, like, hundreds. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I was, I was going out as much as I could for the first couple of years I lived here and that to this day was one of the best, like, not necessarily I did the best, but it was just like really, it was just a really cool, um, experience because the, the, the submission call was asking you to, um, sort of create an original piece. I think of like two to four minutes or something like that. Um, and I don't think they explicitly said like about your gender or sexuality, but it was sort of like, feel free to bring that to the forefront and so I made this sort of like movement poetry piece um, about a conversation that I had with my mom that we've talked about since and she actually doesn't remember. But um, the night that I came out, everything was so amazing. And then later that night, she was really sleepy and said something of like, I just can't believe I didn't know for 22 years. Like, I just can't believe I didn't know you were different. And she didn't mean it in a negative way at all. Like yeah. when we've talked about it since, she's like, oh my God, I would never say that, let alone, like, that's not how I think of it. And I was like, well, (laughs) I know that's what you said. I think she was sleepy. And I think the sentiment was was real, because I had the same thought of, like, yeah, I didn't know either. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. But anyway, so I made a piece about, like, hearing that word, and and then in the few years since then, like, having, like, owned that word and, like, Mm -hmm. liking being different in that way. 
so I did that piece for my audition and I remember them asking like why you're interested in like touring because it's a it's a tour I should talk a little bit more about how it works but I just remember um Al Hoffnagel who was running the program at the time they asked like you know why are you interested or or what about this sort of project or like thing speaks mm-hmm. to you and I was like well I feel like it took me a long time to realize my sexuality because what I saw in the media was so not what I related to mm-hmm. and like bless you know the butch lesbians but like that's just not <laughs> how I see myself and so for a long time I was like well I can't be gay because I don't look like that or I don't feel like that mm-hmm. um and so the thought of like getting to go to schools and meet youth and like putting a face on stage of like a more femme queer person and like what does that mean like the idea of having like if I were to have seen that in high school was like whoa like that would have been really kind of mind-blowing in a way even though now and this is where like the conversation's different now than like five years ago that doesn't feel true anymore but um anyway so um I auditioned and uh they only needed two new cast members that year and I got in which was really exciting um yeah and so I did the show that year and then didn't do it the next year but then caught uh the following year someone dropped out and the director was someone who was in it when I was there um, and called me in to jump in as kind of a swing and I ended up doing a lot of the shows. Um, And then last year they asked me to direct it and sort of stage manage so I collect some data on who our audiences are and kind of how they're responding in the talkback and stuff like that and like run sound and other stage management thingies (laughs) uh, through the tour through the year. So Yeah, so tell us a bit more about outreach and the tour and maybe the purpose of it. Yeah, yeah, I should have like explained that at the beginning. Um, So we devise the show for uh, about a month, usually in September. Um, And it's a lot of like personal excavation, I guess you could say, because it's like a lot of like writing prompts. It's a lot of storytelling, a lot of like geeking around the table and just talking about what makes us angry and what makes us excited and what does pride mean and what does queer joy mean? And, you know, but there's also some prompts of like, you know, write about your father and like, what would you change about the world and things that can get pretty emotional. And so it's really vulnerable work and, but it's really exciting and it really sort of builds the cast really closely together. Um, so we do that for about a month, a ton of rehearsals. And then as the director, you're sort of spearheading, like putting all the puzzle pieces together. It really does end up being a bunch of sort of stories that have to feel like they have a through line. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea, it's really like a lot of live, I think of it as like theatricalized live storytelling. Cause you're really, it's all mostly in direct address to the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's not like characters or like a play and so, but like, how do you make that interesting to watch for half an hour is I think as the director, sort of like the challenge and it's really fun. Um, and I get to use a lot of that devisey physical theater sort of background with that. So yeah, so we, uh, um, devise that for a month and come up with about a 25 to 30 minute show. And then we tour it all year long and have anywhere from like 15 to 30 performances. Usually mm-hmm. we, uh, it usually runs from like October to August um, we do shows in the parks. We do a lot of shows in schools as like assemblies or we go to GSAs. We do workshops too. And yeah, so it's like a, we do the show and then usually like a half hour talk back and we get a lot of great questions. And it's, 
I think some of the my favorite work that I've found in Chicago by far. I think it's really meaningful and it's hard too. Like some schools that we go to, like you really have to sort of steal yourself and sure. be ready for the hard questions and mm-hmm. the vocabulary sometimes is different than like ours. Mm-hmm. Hey, you kind of, you kind of explained it, but what has the response been, especially in schools when you have mm-hmm. the popular what you go to high schools a lot, I think, mm-hmm. right? What has what has that response been like from students like that? Usually overwhelmingly positive, like every once, maybe once a year we'll have a harder show where like some of the questions asked are not as like gently worded or, um, you know, maybe there's a lot of distractions during the performance or something like that, but overwhelmingly it's usually really positive. And I think like my first year performing it, this hasn't happened in a year or two actually, but my first year performing it at least three or four shows throughout the year, we had students like come out to their entire school, like during the talk back. It was so wild. I could like cry thinking about it. They would literally just like stand up and sort of like, okay, I've never really said this to a lot of you before, but I'm gay. And so my question is, and you would just hear the school like, just like waving. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of usually like, you know, positive responses or kind of like, like, yeah, I mean, definitely some of them, but um, get a lot of positive feedback and a lot of great questions. And something I've thought a lot about the last year is that a lot of times they ask like, so are y'all friends? Like, how do you know each other and how do you make the show? Which to me is like, so not the most interesting thing to talk about, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like, you know, it makes sense. It's a yeah. totally fair question. Um, but what I thought about a lot is that actually, I think one of the most important parts of the show is something that is less about the content and more sort of form, which is that it like models community. And I think like, I don't know how often we see things like that on stage. I think we see it in TV probably more than film even, but yeah. What does it mean to sort of like put those things on stage and really show what it means to like be really vulnerable and be supported by others. And we have some stories in the show we usually every year there's one or two sections that are staged as just like friends talking to each other. Um, and like sort of kicking about like coming out or like their first kiss or like Mm -hmm. things like that. And just modeling what that looks like, especially for queer folks. And like that, even if maybe as a student, you maybe don't have that community, but it does exist and it can, and it will, I think is really important too. Through all your experience, um, would you say you prefer directing, acting, devising? Artistically, directing for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I found that the more I directed, when I would try to go back to acting, I like couldn't turn off the like mental ticker tape of like, yeah, you know what I mean? Kind of like, not judging myself, but just sort of like, as a director, I think um, a really great mentor I had in, in college right after college actually was Monica Payne who like is a Meisner teacher and her big thing was like have a POV and as a director like I think that's been a big thing is like switching your brain especially as a woman to be to know that like your opinion and your perspective matters and that you have to like exercise that muscle constantly and so like then it became really different to see different pieces of theater or talk to people in theater and stuff to like constantly again not in a judgmental way but have that that perspective that point of view um so now i have found that i can't turn it off (laughs) in a good way but yeah i i love yeah i love directing so much i'm gonna add this question all right go ahead um do you see a difference between yourself 
as a performer and a director? I mean, are your objectives the same? Are they different, you think? Yeah, I, th- hmm. I think so. I think... I don't know how different I would say they are, but I think they inform each other a lot. I think being a director with an acting background is really helpful because I try to use that in communicating with actors and sometimes is also a helpful reminder when I'm asking an actor to do something on stage that like, how about I try it and make sure that what I'm asking, like if it's something more physical or, you know what I mean? More vulnerable. Like if I, if I'm uncomfortable doing it, then like, why am I asking someone else to do it? So yeah, I, I, I think more than anything, they inform each other and same with like, as a performer, I will always bring that director brain into the room because I can't not. Yeah. <laughs> and I've worked on letting that go a little bit. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that one actor, someone from Steppenwolf. His method was, don't do, don't do it because why. Do it because why not. Hmm. There's no reason. Just do it. Yeah. Or to quote our friend Adam Goldstein, go before you're ready. Go yeah. before you're ready. Yeah, why not? Just do it. <laughs> I love that. I think about that all the time, the go before you're ready. I think mm-hmm. it's true for audition. Like when I coach people on auditions, that's always my advice. It's like, yeah. take that deep breath in, but don't let it out. Just go. Go yeah. right before mm-hmm. you're ready. Well, do you have any future advice for maybe some young artists, performers, people maybe in similar shoes? I mean, go before you're ready is a big one. Uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, I think for for young folks, I often really encourage writing and creating and devising, even if you don't think it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, Just getting that stuff out, like not even out into the world, even if it's just your journals, even if it's like whatever that may be, and like seeking out free or seeking out training in it. And there's a lot of like amazing programs throughout the city and put on by a lot of um, feeders that are like youth councils and things where you can really get that experience or training for free um, or cheap. And I, f- I feel like as far as early career directors, I really think making a big move, like LA to Chicago felt really big to me and I think it's helped me grow so much and I've thought a lot about whether in the next five, ten years if I need to do it again somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I think like Really putting yourself outside your comfort zone and going before you're ready. <laughs> I awesome. like that. Yeah. Well, I think we're in transition. Yeah. It's time for a time for two. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Three, two, two, one, go. Favorite food? Popcorn. Scariest movie you've seen? Oh, I hate scary movies. Okay. Vacation trip of choice? I've been really wanting to go to Costa Rica lately. Oh, Greece. Actually, Greece. <laughs> I broke the rules. Go. Ooh, spontaneity or stability? Spontaneity. Things you buy most often at a grocery store? Uh, juice. <laughs> What's the best way to spend a rainy afternoon? Um, watching The Bachelor. <laughs> I've been very into that show lately. The best part of waking up is? Well, all I want to say is Folgers in your cup, but that's not my actual answer at all. <laughs> Coffee. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Um, morning pee. <laughs> There you I'm gonna go. that later. Do you Great. think a hot dog is a sandwich? Fuck no. Oh. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about putting pineapple on a pizza? Uh, I, I don't really feel one way or another. I don't eat it, but it doesn't bother me. Toilet paper over or under? Over. Always. Do you still have a MySpace page? Oh, God. Probably somewhere in the ethers. <laughs> I don't think uh, I'd delete it. I don't use it. <laughs> Favorite fairy tale? Peter Pan. Yes. 
Yes. First one that came to mind. Deal or no deal? Deal. Are you good at cooking? No, but I'm really good at assembling. Like, I can make an amazing salad or sandwich. Mm. Not as good at cooking. There you go. Are you smarter than a fifth grader? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Left Twix or right Twix? Oh. I think I always eat the right one first. There you go. Oh. Uh, Netflix or Hulu? Oh. Oh, I might say Hulu because I've been really watching Bachelor in Paradise. Like I already mentioned. There you go. Do you Usually believe, Netflix, though. Do you believe in ghosts? No, I believe in spirits, but not necessarily ghosts. Ooh, and that's our two minutes. Woo! Just like that. Woo! Well, before we let you go, we do have a final question. Mm -hmm. Connor, you want to ask this sure. one? Sure. Lexi, are your parents proud of you? <laughs> Yes, I believe so. <laughs> there we go. Yay. Awesome. Well, Lexi, thank you again so much for joining us for this episode. Yeah, it was a thank lot you of fun. so much. Yeah, that was a blast. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a great conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. I, I learned a lot. That was really cool. I think she inspired a lot of us. Yeah. And hopefully you guys as well. I listeners. really enjoy the outreach program that she and About Face does because I feel like it's a good time to educate mostly high schoolers. That's a very transitional period for people. Absolutely. And bringing it to the world of art. Yeah. And if you like this episode and you want to listen to more, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parents Proud Podcast. Um, and if you are interested in being on the podcast or sending us an email, because, you know, maybe we just want to look at some emails. Yeah. And uh, any questions for us or comments to tell us how we're doing, please email us at parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. That is parentsproudpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, thank you to our guest coordinator for the episode, Griffin McCorkle. Yes. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, hope to read those cool emails. Yeah. And on that note, thank you so much for listening, folks. Go before you're ready. Have a good night.